We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? Doing terrific. Thank you, Patrick. Mm, How are you doing? Fantastic. I'm great. Thank you. We have a, at least when we're recording this, it is a, a beautiful March day after a snowstorm. It was very strange weather we've had here, but it's a beautiful day here, so it's hard not to be happy. New England, man. Yeah, seriously. Snow yes. one day, you know, like, 50 it, yeah. degrees the next. <laughs> yeah. Although it's not necessarily New England because Heather's going to Nashville and uh, Nashville tomorrow is like 60 and the next day is a low of 20. That's insane. Good luck dressing. I'm sure she's got six bags yeah. for that now. Just Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm a man. Well, we're back for a two-minute drill. Two-minute drill is when I uh, sort through the many good questions that folks, that listeners send us um, to pick out. I think we've got 10 uh, with the challenge of you answering them within two minutes, which I think we did this the last time. It was We did a very bad job of that two minutes, but truthfully... No harm Let's no. see what we got this time. We're gonna try to because these so these the, the questions have gotten more and more yeah they're complex. They're meatier. Complex is not meatier, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I'll I'll try to keep. Let's try to let's try to let's try to keep it. All right, we'll the see essence what of what we yeah. Uh, for folks who if if you want to get uh, a question into the queue, just find me on Instagram. P.S. Cummings, drop me a DM. I will add it to our list and I will get it into a future episode. I saw All your right. your your Instagram post of like how many people are sending like. <laughs> Yeah, Holy, a, we have a lot yeah, of questions. We have a lot. I, 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 I sort of like, I'm tempted because we have so many good questions and I, and I want to get to so many. I'm like, I just want to do like two months straight of two minute drills, but I think maybe that might get boring at some point, but I feel like we, well, we have enough. If good we do a better job, them. if I do a better job of actually answering in two minutes, then we'll get through then, more of them. Maybe, maybe but so yeah. actually what's really funny. You'll like this. We went to, um, I went to Hawaii with, um, my yeah. family and I went there to visit a comp train gym. And they were like, we're going to do what you do at your podcast with Patrick. We're going to do a two-minute drill. So awesome. after at dinner, everyone wrote on note card questions. And then um, we did a two-minute. We got together in a circle and I answered all the questions. And then Bodie, my son, had a stopwatch. It was like <laughs> – and every time I got to one uh, minute 50, he would hit me on the leg. So it was – we need we need Bodhi here. So we need Bodhi in the in the office yes. to slap you uh, every yes. every couple minutes. All right, cool. Good noted. All right, my friend, let's get into the, let's get into it. First one, I am a business owner and love the mentor aspect that comes along with all of my employees. I have a particular employee who has been a real challenge. He's in his early twenties, uh, had a rough upbringing, and has never had much leadership in his life. My heart bleeds for him, and I don't want to give up on him. It seems like no matter how I spin it to him, he just can't. He just doesn't get it. He continuously underperforms and makes costly errors to the restaurant. How do you know when it has been a failure in leadership or it is time to give up on an individual? Okay, so, uh, oh, man, I want to spend a lot of time on this. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna try and hit these like almost like bullet points then. Okay. The person, uh, I believe that this person's a pretty good leader um, that's asking this question because my heart bleeds for them. You know, um, he recognizes the other person has had some struggles. He's not just pushing them out the door. Um so the first thing we want to do is make sure that we are setting them up for success. And that is, um, you know, ha, we're, we just had Stephen Covey on. He'll be on the, he'll be coming pretty soon. Mm -hmm. But talking about like how you uh, lead by example, how you mentor this person is probably pretty doing a pretty good job of that. But then also um, agreeing upon um, set accountability metrics helps a ton. And then, um, you know, 
trusting that person. I think this person's probably doing all that. So that's like the first step. So then it's like, okay, I'm going to assume that they're doing all that really well. Then what's the next thing? You have to really make the hard call because no individual is greater than the team. And no matter how much you care about a person, you have to put the team above the the individual. That sounds weird, but it is. Like the health of the organization is what matters the most, no matter how much you care about an individual. So if they are holding you down, they're holding down everyone else in the organization. So you run them through a checklist. This is stolen from um, Gina Wickman and Traction, but the first one is a core values checklist. And essentially, um, you give everyone a check plus, a check, or a check minus for each of your core values. And if anyone is a check minus, they're off the team. Mm. So let's say your checklist is um, pursuing excellence, and this person continually drops the ball. Like if they're a check minus, they don't have the character traits to be a part of your team, and they're off. Now, if everybody has checks or above, and you determine you determine where the, the Mendoza line is. You determine where that they're a part of the team or not. For us, it's if they have any minuses, they're out. Mm. Um, and really, you could say like if they have um, anything, maybe a really stringent organization is like if anyone doesn't have a check plus, they're out. You know, maybe the Navy SEALs might have that. Um, and the next one is do they, uh, in terms of the job responsibility, do they get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it? GWC. Do they get it? Do they get the roles of the position um, and understand the importance of it in the contribution to the overall organization. Do they want it? Do they wake up Monday morning excited for this job? And do they have the capacity, both from a time standpoint and a skill standpoint, to do this job? If they don't, they're not going to be a part of the team. And what the hard part is, you might, by holding on to this person, be doing the worst possible thing you can for them mm. because they're not supposed to be in the restaurant business. They're not supposed to be doing this. They're supposed to be doing something that sets their heart on fire and this doesn't. So by you not being the brave leader and letting them go are actually holding them back from their own personal growth, even though it might hurt for the short term. So I know you want to be the mentor, but it might be the best thing that you could possibly do is to set them free. Yeah. Got it. And that was a two minute drill where you just talked really fast. So that, that was, <laughs> that's that how was, I do it. I'm like, well, wow, it's a big yeah. answer. I'm going to talk faster. <laughs> Next yeah. question. Uh, after reading ben, Dr. Benjamin Hardy's fantastic book, uh, Personality is Permanent, the subject of one's purpose has been on my mind and would love to hear your opinions on the matter. I have goals that I work towards, but sometimes goals and goal setting can be a bit too much work to write down or write about and maintain. But purpose is very clear, at least for me. I'm lucky enough to know my, uh, what my purpose is in life. My question is, should uh, we focus on goals or purpose? Okay. Your goals should be in service of your purpose. That's how it works. Yep. So otherwise, what you're doing is you're creating goals that are not in line. Goals, you know, ladders leaning up against the wrong wall. Or even worse is you're working really, really, really hard for ultimately something that doesn't matter at all. That's a form of hell. That's, that's what hell could be. So if you know your purpose, just center all, just put all of your goals leaning towards that North Star. And if you do that, you're good. And then there is no difference between purpose and goals. You have your purpose and then goals are the little milestones you use to get to your purpose. Mm -hmm. I would also, I would, the only thing I would add to that is I think there's actually a third in that conversation. I think purpose, goals, and then systems. 
the what you do or habits might be another way to put it. But what are you putting in place that serve you as you try to serve that goal and as that as you try to make that goal push you towards that purpose? I think a lot of times we set goals and then we don't always know what to do about it today. And on Tuesday, it's a little confusing. But when we focus on what what systems I can put in place, I'm going to I work no matter what I, I'm in the gym from 8 p.m. to 8 30 p.m. every single day. My goal might be, you know, I want to gain 15 pounds. I want to lose 30 pounds, whatever. Great. The system is actually what's going to get you there. And so that I think is is often we miss it because it's hard. It's harder to take the goal and bring it down to the dirt and say, okay, well, what does that actually look like? What habits do I have to build? What strategies do I have to put in place to actually see through the actions necessary to get me towards that goal? Next question. How do you deal with a coworker or team member who appears to be threatened by you? I recently started a new job and this female coworker is much older than me and has been at the job much longer, obviously, but I have a lot more experience in the field. Right now, I'm just trying to win her support and trust by asking questions, offering help, and not impeding on her work, but I'm also still the new guy. Would be curious to hear you on Ben's take on that. Okay, it's a great question. Uh, how do you instill trust in somebody that's like kind of not reciprocating it back? Um, so the way we kind of define trust in our method for that is our three C's, which is care, consistency, and competency. So the first thing is showing you care. And it sounds like this person is doing that fairly well, which is I'm here to help. I'm asking a lot of questions, um, defaulting to them in certain aspects. So that's phenomenal. It's the next one is consistency. So you got to do this all the time. You can't just do it when it feels good for you and then override her in certain meetings or whatever it might be. And the last one is competence, which is, um, you know, showing that you have, um, that you are a, a trustworthy, uh, resource. Um, but here's the, the next part of that is what can happen is you can try so hard that it hinders. So what could be the best thing to do Cause this person says like, they're doing all the right things. Like I'm asking the questions, I'm doing all this stuff. Like, but maybe the best thing to do is just give a lot of space mm. and let it go, not try as hard. Cause the harder you push on something, sometimes the greater the resistance that's created. So instead, um, you know, our kind of like phases that we go through is we say like, first is a state of resistance then there's a state of acceptance, then there's a state of enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So you can't skip, you can't skip from resistance to enjoyment, which is what most people do. This person doesn't trust me. Oh my gosh, I want this to be so, so much joy and bliss. And I want them to connect to me so much. Why is, and part of it might be like, dude, just let it go. So they don't trust you. So they don't like you. So they're pushing against you. Like totally let it go and just let it be. And if you do that, then all of a sudden, maybe they come around. And it might be the fact that you're trying so hard, which causes further resistance that you're not getting to that next step. Mm -hmm. Got it. I used to take a lot of vitamins, but after listening to you, I'm second guessing what I take. One, do you? Uh, what do you take? And two, what would you say are the top three or five supplements or vitamins and when do you take them or when to take them? Uh, I've gone through the roller coaster as well as no vitamins, all the vitamins to, okay, so what do I take now? I take vitamin D, I take magnesium, resveratrol, and methyl guard. Um, I'm going to skip, not, I'm going to skip over the why I take those to just go to the answer that what's what I suggest that people take. You, 
I wouldn't suggest people take anything without getting a blood test because mm-hmm. you have no idea what you should take. The reason for vitamins is to bring up things that are deficient. And I can't just look at someone and go, or, or just give recommendations for the masses. I can't tell everybody they should eat eggs because it's not right for everybody. As simple as I believe that eggs are healthy, it's not the thing that everyone should take. So the answer to that is um, you get a blood test and you can supplement um, for anything that isn't up to where it should be. In a previous episode, uh, we talked about sleep recovery. It was said when seven hours of sleep cannot be guaranteed, skip the workout. I think there was like a, if I, you know, one of those things where it's like, if I stay in bed, I can get an extra hour of sleep. If not, blah, blah, blah. Um, You both have young kids. What do you do? Uh, what do you do as a brand new father when your deep sleep is interrupted several times a night? Okay, so I'm not a new father, but this mm. is actually last night. I actually decided not to go to the gym in the morning. Mm. This morning, I actually, I because I've been kind of being pushed with work a little bit in the last little bit. I know that we talked about this a lot. It's the balance of the frisbee on the pencil, yep. right? And my my play is being tipped a little bit. So I want to pull it back by getting some balance some way. And for me, that was an extra hour of sleep last night. So there was no early workout for me this morning. Um, I even I didn't do my yoga or breath work or anything. I opted for the sleep. So that is a principle I do live by. Now, I don't think like uh, avoiding the gym for 26 days in a row because you, is the path. Yeah. So we want to create that. But if if we're here's my take is if you are a young parent with lots of interrupted sleep and you're like me where you kind of feel like you need to go to the gym just to have mental sanity and feel good you just don't work out as hard when you're at the gym that's mm-hmm. it's the really simple answer is you just don't it's not your day you just don't push the pedal all the way to the floor on those days and I had one of those days um, two days ago, or three mm-hmm. days ago, actually. Three days ago, I was doing an AMRAP 20 in our gym that had walking lunges, um, um, shoulder overhead, double unders. And by it was an AMRAP 20, and by the 15-minute mark, I was doing body weight lunges instead of the weighted lunges. And by minute 16, I was doing planks. Mm-hmm. I just stopped the whole thing completely. <laughs> yep. Just like, I didn't work as hard. And it's the right thing for me, because what... Again, it's when you understand exercise science, it's really easy to fall in line with this. There's the there's recover there's work which it makes you worse. When you train at the gym, you get worse. Your performance goes down. If I ask you Patrick to um, give me a true one rep back squat, mm-hmm. you stand it up and I say, "Don't rack it, do another one." <laughs> like yep. You, you get worse. Like you, you just gave me a, your really good, best, hardest effort. Now you can't do it again until you rest, recover. And then hopefully there's this, this adaptation. And then there's a super compensation where you get better. Well, once you understand that undulating curve, it, it becomes really easy to like put the ego aside and go, me being at the gym is beneficial. I am getting movement. I am getting blood flow. I am opening my lungs and I am clearing my mind. But I also know that if I dig really hard today, I am not doing myself any favors. Yeah. So that's so that's that's just the understanding. I didn't sleep a ton. I still want to go to the gym for the connection and all the social and all the other things, the feel goods. But I'm not gonna um, bury myself. Yep. 
love that. I've mentioned before, just because uh, I'm a little bit closer to that young kid's phase still. I've mentioned before, like I, I struggled for a long time trying to maintain an early morning workout schedule, uh, much to my detriment, both in terms of just just satisfaction and intensity and consistency and all the things. Uh, and so I, 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 over the years, what I eventually figured out was as long as sleep is still a bit of a question mark, more than it's not, the early morning wake up before everybody else and workout is just, it's, it's, it's too likely to not work for me. And so I just have to kind of like take a deep breath and realize I've got to find another time that I can be consistent about getting it, getting a workout in. And so for me now, it's actually at about eight o'clock at night um, because that's where, that's when I have the most, that's when I have the least amount of uh, kind of schedule chaos. Everybody's asleep, kids are asleep, nothing, there's no work to do, et cetera. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, that would be my bit of advice is, because it seems like in this question, this is an early morning question, much like you, much like I used to do. And maybe if life allows, if your schedule allows, maybe there's just a better time in the day to, to get that workout in and let go of, let go of, oh, well, this is who I am and this is what I've always done. And I've always worked out first thing in the morning. And that's, that's how I do this. Might just, you might just have to kind of take a deep breath and realize that life is different now. Next question. My dear partner thinks we should do Fran at a weight pull-up variation where target completion time is around three minutes to keep the workout inside the intended glycolytic metabolic pathway. Whoa. I say no. Yeah. <laughs> I say no way. Fran is a workout you do to improve fitness. It's a test of fitness. My intent is to do Fran faster than last time. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, current uh, RX Fran time is 6.38 and it sure feels like a death sprint during and after. Please settle the score so I can keep doing, thankfully, periodically, annually Fran with a standard barbell and pull-ups. Okay, I'm gonna settle the score, yes. but it's a the score is you're a tie because you're because you're both. They're not gonna right. be happy with that. You're both right, but I'll, I'll um, some caveats to both of them. Mm -hmm. So, um, is it a workout or is it a test? Is actually the ultimate thing. And if it is, I'm just gonna like paraphrase this for other. Yep. yep. And if it is a workout, stimulus is most important. If it is a test, RX is most important. So for example, if it is, uh, if we're doing any other workout, you should scale to meet the stimulus so that you are um, getting the adaptations you're supposed to. If it's a test, if you're running a 5K, you don't run 2.7K because that's what you feel like. You need, to, <laughs> you need to have to be measurable, observable, and repeatable. So there's neither right or wrong, but a couple of these things might be off by a little bit. The first one is um, his dear spouse. Is that what he called her? Uh, I think her it's a spouse? she and yes, her, her dear spouse. Oh, her dear spouse. I think okay. if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, the dear spouse, um, <laughs> might be off by a little bit cause it is not Fran has become a sub three minute thing mm -hmm. that used to be the gold standard. So it's actually more like a four, it should be programmed as a, depending on your abilities, it's okay if it's a um, four, five, or even six minute event. That's okay, that is okay. The gold standard in CrossFit back in the day used to be, could you do a sub three minute Fran? Mm -hmm. That used, so that was the way it was originally intended. So to me, it's like once you get below a 2.30, like you don't need to kind of do this continually for a workout because you're, then you're missing the stimulus. Then it is the full dead on sprint. It is supposed to be the type of workout where in the 15s, you are so 
so tempted, if not mandated, to put the bar down or come off the bar. And it, the, the unbroken was reserved for the very few. So it does not need to be a sub three minutes set your hair on fire. So whether you choose to, to be um, the actual 2159, 95-65 pound thrusters and regular pull-ups or scale it to meet the, I'm going to call it a four-minute workout. The workout Fran is better when it's set up as four minutes. That's why they changed the test to friendly Fran for the elites because friendly Fran, only like two people went sub four. That used to be like the way, like that's where everybody used to be in Fran. When everyone came into Fran, everyone was like that 345 to 430. That's where like, that's where it's supposed to be. If someone was close to three, it was like, whoa, did you see Matt Fraser do friendly Fran? Because he did it in 321 or whatever, some crazy number that he did it. He beat everybody by like 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be the wow. So um, you guys are both right. So- do it both ways. <laughs> Love that. All right, next question. All right, we're doing we're doing well here. We've only got four more. This is good. We're crushing it. My short term goal is to be respected within the context of my local gym for my athletic ability. One thing that holds me back is my ability uh, my ability to do burpees. I've done the open four years, and every year my lowest score is the workout with burpees. Every year I tell myself this is the year to fix it, and then uh, next open burpees catch me out again. Uh, it has to be. Uh, it has even become a joke with me and my friends about how much I hate burpees. Is there something I can do specifically that will help me uh, help me with that movement or get that movement better? This is an exact example of the way you answered the, that second or first question, mm-hmm. which is you, you have a goal, you, you have intention, like this is it, like what we talk about all the time, awareness, intention, action. Yep. So I, awareness, I suck at burpees. I know what I want to do. I'm respected in my gym. Like, cool. That's a really high level of awareness. Good. Intention. Like I'm going to get better at burpees. This is like, I am, but we kind of stop there. Yep. And there's no real actionable plan and we're not doing them. So here's the really short kind of snide answer, snarky answer is you do burpees. That's how you get better at them. So honestly, I mean, I know it sounds like ridiculous, but any amount of you doing burpees is going to get you better at doing burpees. Like the only thing that's not going to get you better at doing burpees is not doing burpees. Like you have to, if you want to become a better runner, the first thing you have to do is run. The only way you're not going to get better at being a runner is by not running. Like you need to run. You need to do burpees. Then from there, we can talk about what's the most efficient, what's the most specific, what's the best training plan for you and your burpees. That's like, but that's so far down the (laughs) rabbit hole that it's like, like we just need to do burpees. And so I'll, I'll bring some clarity to this. Like every single day, do 15 burpees without stopping. Like just that, like that alone is going to get you better at burpees. Now, if you're like, no, dude, I can do 15 burpees in 18 seconds. That's not going to get, then okay, we're at a different place. Then it becomes like maybe we do Tabata burpees. And if you can do Tabata burpees and you can hold, you know, Tabata burpees is 20 seconds of burpees with a 10 second rest for eight rounds. So it's four minutes of 20 on with half the rest, 10 Mm -hmm. off. And if you can hold, you know, 13, 14 burpees in that, then okay, let's try double Tabata, where again, eight rounds, we're gonna do 40 seconds on and 20 seconds rest. Okay, you can kind of like keep the cadence, keep the pace on that. 
Let's go to triple Tabata, where it's 60 seconds of work and 30 seconds rest. If you just follow that progression, where you can do like a high cycle time for 20 seconds, 10 seconds rest for four minutes mm-hmm. through, and you don't fall off your pace, and then you can, then it's time to bump up to the next one. Like really, really simple, but there's also four dozen other methods that would get you there. So the, the idea though is you need to take action. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta, you gotta move. You can't, this is the, this is the exact example of um, wishing and wanting and not moving, not actually doing the work. We have to actually do the work. Uh, just, just because I can hear the follow-up question from this person, uh, that the way you just laid out the couple burpees, then do Tabata, then et cetera. Is that a prescription for every single day? Is that a prescription for on your training days? This is what you're going to do. This is three times a week. This is whatever. Any sense of volume uh, as it relates to that kind of progression? Yeah. So we have to, it gets really specific to the individual at that point. So we'd have to make a lot of assumptions Okay. because if the person is training, um, right. Yeah. If the person is doing comp train programming, um, this might be a once a week thing. If the person is going to the gym once a week, this could be a everyday thing. So there's a lot of assumptions, but the general principle is always when you're trying to work your weaknesses, it's three times a week. So let's just leave it at that part of like work this three times a week. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Next question. I recently had a thought during a lecture on motivational theory, uh, anonymous leaderboards. This would be where you still upload your score onto the uh, whiteboard or app and you can still see everybody else's score, but you cannot see who got what scores. I thought this would be a great way to maintain the accountability part of the whiteboard, but avoiding any egocentric motivation. I thought it would uh, help people stay focused on their own performance rather than in beating others. What do you think? Okay, that's super cool. So <clears throat> make sure I got this right, Pat. So, yep. so yep. Um, there's a leaderboard, but you put like, um, you have like a code name or something, right? You have like sure. X yeah, okay. star heart square triangle. Yeah. And sure. above you is user one, or it's like that. You're like, right, user one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So results are there, but just no, no kind of avatar. Okay. I think that's, I think that's super cool. Actually. I think it's uh very innovative. I like it a lot. Here's what I think the good part is. The good part is that it's kind of like an arcade, right? And it's like, you like yeah. play the video game and there's no like ego tied into it. It's just like, how'd I do at the end? And it doesn't like weigh on your self-worth. It's not like you're judging yourself on it. It's just like, how'd I do? Like, oh my gosh, I was I'm on, I'm in the arcade. I'm on like, I'm sixth place all time. That's amazing. Cool. Like, so I help, I think it helps with that. It, show, it helps you show where you rank in the world. Um, but here's what I think the bad part is, is that it's like an arcade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, there's no real connection. There's no real kind of like Interesting. Yep. A personality behind it. There's no real life. So can't go give a fist bump to the, the yeah. And it's not like, yeah. yeah and it's like, you're not going to remember that user um, four three nine heart square triangle was the user that was right above you, and oh my gosh, there they are again, and there they are again. The way you go, um, um, Big Mac Mike was mm-hmm. beat me in this workout again. And Big Mac Mike always shows up, you know, in right around me, and I'm trying to beat Big Mac Mike, and it, so I like it a lot. I, I might bring this to my team just to explore it a little bit because I think it's 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 cool and it's innovative. And I see pluses and minuses to it. 
Yeah. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, it's. I, I think I'm with you. I think it's really interesting. I'd like to see it actually in play just to see if it does what uh, this person thinks it does. Because to me, the question it, it kind of begs is the negative sides of that leaderboard, right? Because obviously this is designed to say, okay, how can we how can we diminish some of the negatives of the leaderboard without losing some of the upside? And so my question is, is the negative side of things, is it because there's a score up on the whiteboard and I didn't get that score today? Or is it because there's a person who I've identified as shouldn't be beating me on a regular basis, but does? In other words, is it the, is it, is the ego end of it? Ah, John beat me. And I don't like when John beats me. Or is it, oh, there's a, there's an anonymous person who did it in 14 minutes and I did it in 1430. And, and the negative comes from that. I think the negative comes from people going, um, I don't want to put up a bad score. So they like, they're, they're in, it's not who beat me, who not, but I'm used to being, Got it. Um, you know, fifth, sixth, I'm used to being fifth and 10th place on, and now I want to work my weaknesses. I want to log my score, but I know that this is, mm-hmm. I suck at rope climbs, rope climbs come yeah. in the workout. I'm not going to log my score today because mm-hmm. now I'm in 37th place. Got it. And I don't want people to think I suck. But I, if I, if my name was anonymous, I would put that in to see where I rank. I, yep. Oh, I'm 37th. Yes. I Now I rope climbs come the next time and I'm 21st. And ooh, look at that. But I never put my score in the first time because <clears throat> I don't want to take that ego hit, which is real. I don't want to pretend it's not. Like yeah. that's a part of it. It's, yep. you know, I, when I put log scores, I feel it. I think everyone yep. does. Like that's, um, so I think it's really interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll keep, we'll, we'll keep everybody posted, I guess. We'll let them check out comp train at some point or something. <laughs> if there's there. All right. Next question. I am in the position, uh, to become the owner of a CrossFit gym. I have been the manager for a year and the owner has asked me to take the business over as the sole owner. What tips or advice, uh, can you guys give during this transition process? Um, dig up the dirt. Hmm. So I would start with financials. Like Mm -hmm. my first thing would be as much as it is about like, okay, I want to like the answer probably is like how to hire good coaches or how to create a great environment. Like that's a normal Ben Bergeron answer would be. That's not the answer. Mm. The answer is if you're taking this over, you got to know what you're taking over. You got to dig up the dirt. And I know this because we bought, we've bought gyms Yeah, and they're not managed well. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly from a financial aspect. Yep. So here's what I would do is if you're purchasing this, then definitely you have to do it with um, covenants. You have to um, 50% down now, 50% in six months when now you've been running the business. And um, if they all of a sudden, they say that they have 200 members, you buy the, this has happened to us. Um, we bought a gym that we thought we were buying 150 members. And it turned out they had about a, 80 because mm. they didn't keep the financials very well. Well, if you're, that's what you're buying. You're buying the recurring membership. Yep. So dig into the financials, like financials, 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 and not the financials they're presenting to you. You have to, you have to get in and dig into them because, you know, I, I've been running a gym for 15 years and the, the, the membership software is a mess. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a mess. Um, the next one I would do is dig up the dirt is to meet with the existing coaches and existing members. And that's what I would talk to them about. You know, like, um, what should I be concerned about walking in here? 
Yeah. Like what do, and honestly, like, that's like, don't tell me, don't tell me like, you know, what do you think? What do you think I should do this? Cause they're gonna say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like, do you like this place? Everyone's gonna say yes. They're members and they're coaches. Um, what should I be concerned with? What do I not know? Um, what am I going to find out six months from now that I wish I knew right now? Yeah. Yeah. And just to, just to put a, a pin in it, just cause uh, to make sure it's clear, you're doing all of this due diligence before you sign on the dotted line and say, okay, I'm going to take this thing over. This is the, this is the homework before you yeah. say yes. Right. Both, both. And that's why you have the covenants afterwards. Got so, it. um, honestly we had the covenant. We were fortunate enough to do this. So we got the gym at half price. Got it. Honestly, like we, we, you know, um, because they only delivered on half the members, mm-hmm. you know, when we did our own audit, they were like, oh yeah, that's right. We were wrong. Like mm-hmm. that's what's actually happening. Got it. So I'll just- yeah, do all the diligence, talk to the coaches beforehand, talk to the members beforehand, get into the financials and dig. Um, but then also when you are, um, now taking it over, you have to have that six month or year long covenant to make sure that, um, it's going as way. And also- just for like, you can put in there if members leave, like if there's a mass exodus, mm. like if you take the members, if you pop up a shop somewhere else, you don't have to have non-compete. That's, you can't have that in cross space anyway. But um, you could go like, hey, if the membership goes down for, you know, then this is, this is why we're, it doesn't have to be like 50% and then 50% in six months. It could be, um, you know, every month here comes another 10%. It could be quarterly basis over the next two or three years. There's so many, you have the creative license to do it any which way. There is no right way to do that. Yep. Yeah. That's really good advice. I'll just, I'll just add one more just from the brand perspective a little bit, which is that you, this individual, you'll never have as big a chance or as open an opportunity to change things than you do when you say, okay, this is mine now. Members will, will say, okay, I guess this is what it's going to look like. And as long as you know, you don't turn it into a Zumba class, you know, whatever. But like, this is the biggest opportunity to, to raise rates, to change things, to cancel classes that weren't working, to cancel programs that were, weren't working, introduced something that never was introduced. This is the biggest opportunity. This is the biggest blank canvas you'll have because everybody else pretty quickly will, will, will reach homeostasis again. Like this is my gym now. And when you start introducing, because you're new, you start kind of dripping out all these, these changes. Cause like it's yours now. No, they're not, they're going to kind of forget pretty quickly that, that it's new for you. Cause it's going to be old for them. That's I've been here for two years and now it's six months in or eight months in. And I don't like these, I don't want more changes. Like I got, I got used to the ones you got. And so really, really sit down in the, in the work that you were describing, really figure out what's working, what's not working and what doesn't exist that I want to exist and what exists that I no longer want to exist. And then, and then pick a date and say on that date, everything changes, keep the things that work, get rid of the things that don't introduce things and lead up to it, talk about it, communicate it, right? Always be communicating, but like, you'll never have a chance like that again to, to make wholesale changes where you feel like wholesale changes need to be made. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. We do the same thing when we've taken over gyms is that's where we go and we li- we flip over the poker table. Like yep. we we purposely make as many and we we paint the walls. Like we yeah. make it feel like an this is a new place. Like the old regime is not mm-hmm. here and it's gonna look, feel, smell, taste, sound different. Yep. Um and um when it all happens together, it actually it, it's kind of it's an ad. Exactly right. People don't like change, um, but they like 
um, they, they like, um, they can, they'd rather have it one fell swoop, mm-hmm. right? Which is, um, instead of like the drip, 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 drip of the change. Yeah. You still need to do that, but, it, but again, yep. this is the opportunity. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last question we've got. What are your thoughts on the feasibility or likelihood of a streaming CrossFit platform similar to Peloton? You just pull up an app and jump into a live class in your home or garage gym. Okay. Um, There's challenges with it Mm -hmm. that aren't as necessarily inherent when you first look at it. Because, yeah, like why can't we do that? Why can't we have uh, a coach leading a class and everyone follows it virtually like they do in Peloton? The reason Peloton works is because there's intra-workout gamification. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason it works in CrossFit gyms, like in real life. When you, everyone, does, like people, when they come out of the pandemic, they come back in the class and they go, whoa, this is way, <laughs> I'm working so much harder yeah. than I did at home. Wow, so much harder. Well, just pull it back a little bit. What's a few dumb? Why are they working so much harder? It's because there are people around them that they can see and understand that they can they can race. You can mm-hmm. race people. And there's I'm doing thrusters, and all of a sudden now somebody moves on to the pull-ups, and I know I'm two reps behind them. Yep. And now I can race that person. If you do that virtually, the inherent nature of CrossFit is you're not staring at a screen in front of your face like you are on a bike. In Peloton, it works because you are there staring at a screen. You can't do that with CrossFit because I'm doing burpees. Now I'm jumping on a a box and now I'm going out for a run and now I'm swinging a kettlebell and now I'm doing pull-ups and now I'm doing like you just can't do it. And now I'm doing what, like you can't do it. So in order to be able to do this, you, it's a little bit more of an ask. You would literally have to get everyone to have motion capture. And if everyone had motion capture, then you'd be able to tell where everyone was in the workout, but then you still struggle with displaying that to the end user of where they are in it. Cause what the way it would exist now is three, two, one, go. And no one looks at the screen again. Yeah. We did this in zoom world. Yep. When you do this in the Zoom world, when everyone in the pandemic, no one looks at the screen. No one, like I, I did the classes, yep. yep. right? So then at the end of the workout, you go time and cool. Then you post to a leaderboard, but that's the, that's the miss. That's the gap. You missed it. You missed the cool thing that made Peloton cool. What you have again is someone coaching you through a workout. You go do it on your own. You come back and post a score. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing that made Peloton cool was the, Intra-workout gamification, not the post-workout gamification. During the workout, you knew that Sally from Nashville was um, 25 meters ahead of you or was had burned, done this many more calories or watts, whatever they used to um, mm-hmm. power output. And you tried to chase that person. And it was that's what made it special. That's what makes CrossFit special. So... Yep. You're also missing the the people that do CrossFit at home don't know about this part of the, the about this part of it. When you do it at a gym, there is something I'm going to call it magical. Mm-hmm. It's it's not magic. I mean, we know the secret sauce on how to do it 
And it's one of the reasons that connection is one of the five factors to produce health is um, it's like in a business, like the magic happens at the water cooler. It's the awesome conversations just before the meeting and just after the meeting that make you feel like a part of that organization, not the, not the meetings themselves. And that's what CrossFit classes do. CrossFit mm-hmm. classes pull people together in our inherent biological makeup. We want connection. We want belonging. We want to feel a part of something bigger than ourselves. And this thing, this CrossFit pursuit fills that, I won't say that void, it fills that need though. It fills that for us. And we will never, ever get that. I don't care how many people are talking about the new economy where we work from home. It won't happen. It will not. If it does, the human race will take a step backwards because we need connection. And from a uh, a a in the same room connection type thing mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it will never happen on a digital way it can in real life. So could it happen? Yes. Could it happen at the same level of what happens in real life? No. Mm-hmm. No matter how much technology is developed, no matter even if everyone has a hologram and everyone has a hologram and everyone is in your living room with you, you know, I think of like Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the beginning when <laughs> yep. like she's learning to play tennis and her tennis coach is a hologram, like in yep. the living room yep. with her. Even with that, that's not a that's not a true human connection. Yep. Yeah, it'll be awfully interesting to see how much the last part. I'm with you. Connection is connection. We're we're humans for, and the, the technology won't uh, circumvent that. But I will be really interested to see where and how technology continues to uh, perhaps allow for some of the things you were talking about. Not all of them, some of those things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think so we about- played, So honestly, like I've explored it. I've been, yeah, down, no, I've, yeah. I've been down this. We've done, so let's say at the end of every round, you have a big easy button. You click the yep. easy button at the end of the round and then your round times and your place populates every round. So at least every round you get to see where you are. And maybe we structure everything with a- um, you know, a 30 second break after every round. So you do, so you can gamify it even more. So you do, um, you know, so you can figure out where you are. It's like, there's, there's different ways you can do it. It's just, it won't be what it, it won't be the totality of it. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be possible to replace, uh, but perhaps for the right person, it might be, you might be able to replace it enough. Um, and that's kind of what will be interesting to me, right? I, like mutual, a mutual friend of ours, Morgan, uh, Morgan Bungers has basically been doing this for the last two years. He runs a, a gym called Jim Bungers. It's completely uh, digital. Um, and I, I've talked to him a bunch about it. I did some work with him as they developed it or as he developed it. And I think one of the things just what popped in my head that I remember talking to him about is because you're right, nobody's going to look at the screen, but they probably or at least they could be plugged in to headphones. AirPods or something wireless. And so could you replace some of that visual? Oh, Sally just, Sally's two reps ahead of me. Okay, good. Could you replace that in some way with an audio cue? So you still have a sense of where people are in the the general kind of scope of the workout and start to replicate some of that. I don't know. But I, I think, I think with, with uh, wireless audio, it's, it's at least you can take a step and then if and when we get to uh, AR glasses, in other words, glasses that are basically a screen that we can wear, then we can start to have leaderboards 
in our visual sense without looking at a looking at a screen. And then does that make it again? I don't think it's fully there. Like I don't. I'm not worried that CrossFit gyms are going to be disrupted by uh, a Peloton like opportunity. But if you think about one of the reasons why Peloton was so successful was the was that it replaced some of the maybe the the efficacy of a gym of a CrossFit gym say with the convenience of a digital at home platform. And so for a lot of people, that convenience outweighs the connection uh, for a lot of people that convenience outweighs the the variance. And so are there people out there who might be really interested in, in CrossFit or a CrossFit like experience that is really, that is as effective as possible, but in their garage, I think, I think yes, but I don't know that, I don't know that the technology yet completely allows for that. Someone will create this 100%. It's it's coming out and it's already coming out right now as we speak. I know there are people working on this. Yep. Um, it'll be a derivative, mm-hmm. not a substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think people vastly underestimate that connection piece. Yeah. I, it's just... Uh, so this conversation about these different factors. It's the easiest one to glance over because it's the softest of them all. For sure. I got For sure. Yep. It's, it is the, if you're going to have one in your life, it's the one to have. Mm-hmm. It's the one. And it's um, when you put like-minded people like this in a room together, something special happens. Yeah. And it's not just like, people work out harder it's yeah um it's it's a it's your health improves in ways that it could not otherwise do it yeah i remember when when eric rosa took over the company or when the company shifted hands however you want to look at it um i kind of had a fun little thought experiment of, of making the case for why crossfit should be the company that does this and the one of my arguments was not necessarily to, to shift the business model of what CrossFit is, but to use a digital platform that was effective as a feeder system for local affiliates. Oh, congratulations, you've just done your 20 work, 20th workout on the, on the CrossFit digital platform. We wanted to give you a free month at uh, the gym up the road from you, because guess what, we know where you live. Uh, and you know, there's a coordination between HQ and the affiliates. And so the, the digital platform is, Hey, I know you were scared of this CrossFit thing, but now that you've done it a little bit and you've had some fun and you've seen that it's effective now to take, to, to fully see the power of it here, connect with, with Kyla at CrossFit XYZ. She's expecting your call, right? That I think would be a really powerful thing. You know, we've talked before about blue oceans and red oceans. That could be a really powerful blue ocean for CrossFit to move into is finding the right balance between being the digital end of things, which everybody expects, which everybody wants, it's whatever. And the analog where you and I know, where everybody who's in a gym knows, oh, that's where the beauty actually is, right? That's where that magic is. Can we use digital to move into analog? Can we move people from on the fence to in a gym? And I think that CrossFit owning a platform like that would be the most potent way of seeing that happen. I I believe that's happening. Mm. Like I believe that's happening like right now. Interesting. Where they have an a, a digital onboarding course mm-hmm. that feeds into local affiliates. Interesting. Yep. That's Maybe it's just. Yep. I've been in conversations w- with HQ that that's. Um, I don't know how far down the pipeline that is, but that's yep. in the works, if not live. Honestly. Yeah, that's really interesting. And taking the taking the L1 seminar staff, the Flow Masters, the amazing coaches, 
uh, and making them the the digital personalities. Hey, I take I'm, I'm, I'm lost on even who Flowmasters are now. That's how that's how long it's been since I've been to a, an L1. But you know, I take the Ben Bergeron of 2012 and I put him on camera and I have him run the class, et cetera, et cetera. I connect with that person and then he kind of and then they help me push on to to you know my local version of Ben Bergeron. I think that would be. I think it would not surprise me if if that is actually in the works and we just don't know about it yet because these things take two year, two, three, yeah, four, five right. years to develop. Super fun. I'm a man. That was two minute drill. We did a really good job and then we yammered on at the at the end though. But but excellent work keeping it to two minutes. Uh thank you everybody out there for sending your good questions. Again, find me on Instagram, PS Cummings. Drop me a DM. I will add it to our long list. We will get it into a future two-minute drill episode. Thank you everybody out there for listening. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.